Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. To borrow a line from one of my favorite movies of all time, The Princess Bride. Let me catch you up. No, there's too much. Let me sum up. If you have missed the first couple of weeks, let me sum up the story here. We met Joe and Maria, who were migrant farm workers. But remember, Joe was quite the mechanic, didn't spend too much time in the fields anymore. And they had a thing, got engaged, but before they could get married, the angel came and told them they were going to have a special child. But that caused a lot of problems and finger pointing. People, oh, she's pregnant, talking. And so they decided to leave. They hopped in Joe's 72 Ford pickup truck that doesn't look like much, but runs pretty good and came to Los Angeles. They're gonna spend a few nights camping in the back of the truck, save their precious money, not on hotels. And they found a neighborhood with some other RVs and cars parked where they thought they could park and be safe. But that very night, the baby decided he was gonna come. And I mean, right then, no time to even drive to the hospital or clinic. And some of the women from some of the other RVs came over and helped deliver the baby. And the baby was there, and they were so happy that a boy had been born, and everybody was kind of ooing and aahing at the baby. Just about the time things settled down, some angels appeared to the homeless encampment down the way, and the homeless people came running over to see the baby. And they were talking about the baby, and they rushed around, woke everybody up again, knocking on doors, stopping cars, telling them about the baby and the angels that had told him about this special baby that was to be born. Kids were tagging the name Jesus under the overpass. And Joe and Maria were just wondering, what is going on? The angel said this would be a special child, but is this what this means? Then last week, we saw Joe got a job, and they got a little one-bedroom apartment. Eventually, Joe moved up and was working at uh, Lockheed Martin, and they were able to get a small back house. And one of the guys at work had a small little back house. He rented them pretty cheaply, and so that was a big upgrade from, from the apartment, and they were pretty happy about that. And Joe liked to work on cars. You can often find him out working on a car, a neighbor's car, or a friend's car. The kids of the neighborhood would come hang out with him, help him work on the cars. One day the kids came and told him that the FBI was looking for him. And then the black SUVs showed up. But it wasn't the FBI. It was antiquity scholars from eastern Canada. They had a museum there associated with the University of Quebec. And they had seen the star and had been traveling trying to get there. They had followed the prophecies and looked them up in their, their books and had come to see the baby. Uh, they ended up leaving them some gifts. 
including one of the SUVs when they saw Joe's 72 Ford pickup truck, because baby Jesus needs a better ride than that. And once again, Joe and Maria are left standing there wondering, what is going on? And so that night, unbeknownst to Joe and Maria, after the, the antiquity scholars left, the angel came to visit them and said, don't email the governor and tell him that you found the baby. Just go home. And so they did. The antiquity scholars themselves, the PhDs, they got on a plane in LAX and flew home left a couple of the assistants behind to drive the vehicles home, and they basically got out of Dodge. See, the reason that the governor hadn't wanted to talk to him when they came through was the governor was really interested in his presidential bid to get to the White House. He was too busy to be worried about some baby. But... After a while, it turns out that that presidential bid didn't go quite the way the governor wanted it to go. And now he was back in California trying to shore up his legacy and get things going his way again. And he remembered that baby. So what happened with that baby? I don't know what happened to that baby. So they began to search for the baby. And the angel came to visit Marie and Joe and told them, it's time to go. And I mean now. The middle of the night. Leave now. And Joe's first thought was, what do I do with my 72 Ford pickup truck? He loved that truck. So while Mar Maria got a few uh, things together, some clothes, some baby essentials, grabbed a few family pictures off the wall, Joe signed over the title of his beloved truck to a neighbor kid down the street who liked to help him work on it. kid was turning 16 in a couple months, parked it in front of his house, left the keys in their mailbox, came back to help. Maria finished up packing, threw everything into the SUV, and took off. Not a word to anybody. They left a note on the landlord's house in front of them saying, sorry, we're gone. Sorry, we left a mess. They left him one of the gold coins that the antiquity scholars had left him and said, this will cover cleaning up our mess and, and cleaning out the house. Sorry, we had a family emergency. We got to go. And just like that, they were gone. That black SUV turned out to be pretty useful because already roadblocks were going up. The border checks had been told to check for a child. They were setting up other roadblocks. And they were looking for somebody of rather humble origins coming through. Not somebody driving a nice new decked out SUV with blacked out windows. And Joe and Maria tried to stay on the back roads, you know, stay off the interstates, the freeways, try and avoid as much as they can. But even doing that, they ran into a, a block set up 
But you know what? Nobody was looking for parents in a black SUV at 3 a.m. And they just skated right on through and kept going. Eventually, they came to a sign that said, Welcome to Arizona. And eventually, a day or two later, there was another sign that said, Welcome to New Mexico. And about halfway through New Mexico, they turned right and hit a sign that said, Welcome to Mexico. Went down into Mexico, found a little town, nondescript, nowheresville, and set up. Joe got a job working at the auto mechanic shop in town, and once again, life was normal. It was a different normal than they had experienced before, but it became the new normal. And Maria was homeschooling the child. Brothers have now entered the picture. And Joe works on the cars. One day they're watching the news and they see that the governor has termed out and the people of California have elected a new governor and they wonder if they can go back home. But they come to the conclusion that the angel told them to go and so they would wait until the angel told them they could come home again. Well, eventually after the inauguration and not just the election, the angel did show up and say it was safe to go home. So they came back home. Baby, the angel came. They came back home, and this time Joe set up a shop called Joe and Son and started working on cars full time. And in this shop is where Jesus and his brothers would learn many great skills that would help them in life. Not just how to fix a car, but patience of dealing with a rusty, rounded-off bolt. The determination of tracking down some kind of wiring gremlin that just won't quit. The forgiveness of dealing with customers who aren't always kind and nice. The mercy of trying to help people who have an old car and are just trying to hold it together because that's all they can afford. And these skills proved to be very useful to Jesus and his brothers. And we don't hear too much about Jesus until he's about 12. But that, my friends, is a story for another day. Oh, I would like that. For those of you who are just joining us today, we thought it would be great to, you know, tag team. And so in true WWE fashion, we're tagging in and tagging out. Gracious Lord, today we have gathered together to close out this ceremony, this, this uh, series. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Several years ago, um, Clay Jones wrote an article on Julia Louise. Is it Dreyfus? Is that how you pronounce her name? of Seinfeld and Veep fame. She was attending the Emmys and won an award. And she was so happy and so excited. But less than 24 hours 
The next day in the morning, she received a phone call from her doctor informing her that she had cancer. Can you imagine the highs of the previous night working so hard on this, this, this show that she loved dearly and starred in and put everything into it and being recognized for all of the great hard work that she had done, only to be told that, by the way, your life is in jeopardy. Now, of course, uh, she fought and she won and she kicked the cancer out. But, you know, she, she recalls, she said, when, when she heard uh, from her doctor, she said, you know, I howled with laughter. That was my response, which then in turned into hysterical crying. It was a blow. But now that she was cancer-free, she said she had a keen awareness of the dearness of the life last. No, it comes and it goes. But once you've walked through a life-threatening illness, there's little nagging thing with you all the time. The fear doesn't completely go away because you've been face-to-face -face with it. But you know what? We walk through our lives so oblivious to the fact that our lives are going to end, we really don't consider that ever, almost ever. Maybe it's a good thing, but it's a cold, hard fact and it's a strange thing to reconcile. Julia was faced with a life and death situation, and she thought, is this it? Now, she was able to overcome it. And when you look at the life of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, their life was threatened greatly. They didn't expect it. it was the last thing that they were thinking about. And yet here, if you go and continue in the story of, of Matthew chapter 2, we see that the road that they took was not easy. So let's go ahead and jump to Matthew 2. We're just going to briefly skim over this. And some of these verses we've already kind of read, but... Let's go ahead and continue. When they got an angel of the Lord, this is after the Magi had left and been warned and they take off. An angel of the Lord appeared to Jesus, to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up. This is what's amazing is he just basically he immediately, he's faithful. He follows, he listens. He took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt and where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. This is something that was said many years before. Uh, Israel read it. By the way, thank you, Israel, for reading that. I appreciate it. Um, Hosea 11.1. 1. So imagine being Joseph. You're sleeping and in the middle of the night you get a dream. I wonder if Joseph, now he was very faithful, but I sometimes wonder if he ever asked, I didn't sign up for this. And yet he was faithful. Could he have imagined the life that he was about to live? Probably not. Adopting essentially the son of God as his child, no pressure. And by the way, there are going to be people who are going to be after you. So the angel warns, that Herod will try to kill Jesus. By the way, does this all sound familiar? Did anything similar happen in the Old Testament? To perhaps leave and head to Israel in some ways, sorry, to Egypt, also 
meant that they were exiles. However, scholars, I, I did some research, and scholars say that there was actually a rather decent-sized Jewish population of roughly a million people at the time living in Egypt. So it's reasonable to assume that Joseph probably knew somebody in Egypt who could help him set up shop as a carpenter. And he probably found a place of employment. And so even in the midst of this uncertainty, God was faithful in caring for them. But if we continue on in the story in verse 16, when Herod realizes that the Magi ignore and go a different way, he's furious. And what does he order to happen? All of the young boys who were two years and under, because that was roughly the time that was predicted that Jesus was alive at that point, to be brought in and said, hey, welcome, or no, we're going to get rid of you. As we uh, read earlier, Jeremiah 31, verse 15, or in verse 8 here in chapter 2, says a voice is heard in the Rama, weeping and mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. It was already predicted that this horrible thing would happen. Now, just as a side note, though, we sometimes forget verse 16 of Jeremiah 31 says, Refrain your voice from weeping, though. And your, and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. Now, there is the promise Jesus would return. Now, for us modern people in 2022, about to jump into 2023, it seems this is insane that a ruler would go to the lengths of trying to exterminate all of these young boys, two years and younger. Those of you, perhaps, who have maybe experienced power, authority, or had to deal with somebody who had power and authority. Can it be infecting? Can it seep into your soul? Is it easy to give up? No. Can it affect us? Absolutely. Can it corrupt us? And for Herod here, he was so worried about his place, his seat of authority, he was going, he was willing to go and exterminate all of these young boys those of you who follow the lord of the rings the movies when you look at the character of Gollum, could he give up the ring it was all he ever wanted the precious now as we continue in in verse 19 after herod had died an angel of the lord appeared in a dream to joseph who they were still in egypt in a way exiled he says, get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So it seems like everything is in the clear. But they got up, he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus, or Herod Archelaus, was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Why would he be afraid? Well, history tells us that prior to this point, before Herod was... Uh, given uh, authority, there was an uprising and over 3,000 people were killed near the temple trying to squash. So naturally, Joseph is like, eh, I don't want to be around this. He's warned. They withdrew to go to Galilee. And he went and he lived in a town called Nazareth. So what was filled, what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, if you also read the book of Luke, who was also from Nazareth, Mary, more than likely probably her hometown. 
So what can we take from all of these, all of these things here? Is that for Joseph especially, faithfulness required heading into the unknown. Why did God just talk to Moses, to, to Joseph in the middle of the night when he was dreaming? And so it was there, though, that he could directly speak to Joseph. And Joseph was faithful, even not knowing what was going to happen. To get up and go to a different country. Some of you have experienced that, leaving your home country, going to another country, perhaps not even knowing the language. Is that not scary? You know, I thought life was difficult. And then as I got to know people who literally gave up, even my own my own family who are immigrants. But my grandparents and my father, they knew English. Imagine, maybe this is the case for you, leaving your own country and coming to the United States not knowing a lick of English and maybe having like 17 bucks in your pocket. That's faith. Courage to you. Courage to you. Corey Tenboom also writes, always trust an unknown future to a known God. Now, we know that God is faithful. We wouldn't be sitting here, right? But sometimes the journey, you have your highs and you have your lows. Sometimes they can feel both at times too. Amen? So life is full of highs and it's full of lows. But God is faithful. And just as God protected Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus, God too will lead and guide you. I want you to reflect back on this last year or even just a, a recent time. Maybe it could be a couple of months. It could be a couple of weeks. It, it could be a couple of days. What is one achievement and difficulty in this last period that you've experienced in this last year? What is one achievement? Or actually, I should say, how has God helped you to achieve something? And in this difficult experience, what is something that maybe you've experienced that God has also pulled you through? And as you reflect back this week, moving forward, may you give God praise and thanks for the good times, the blessings, and also his continued, continued faithfulness in the challenging times. I know Christmas time, the holidays can be a challenging time. We're ending the year, hoping, especially next week, heading into a new year. We've experienced promotions. We've experienced loss. We've experienced many things, some of them combined. And my friends, I just want to encourage you. May the gift of God, God's grace, love coming into this world and ultimately dying for us. May it bring you courage, even when it's difficult. Sometimes we just don't want to say thank you. But yet, even in the dark times, even when the clouds have gathered, I love this saying, the shadow proves the sunshine. Morning will come and it will be beautiful. So may God bless you. May you have a wonderful Christmas. Even if it may be a very lean Christmas, maybe <laughs> I, I saw this video of, uh, I think it was Dave Ramsey, because he would do something like this. He took, what are the little things that you put on gifts? Bows? 
And he took the bows and he put the bows on a faucet, on the toilet, on the roof, on the car. Maybe your gift is being thankful for all that you have so far, even if it may be small. And for those of you who are blessed with abundance, may you be reminded of where that goodness comes from. And may you share what you have with others. Gracious Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Father, forgive us where we have sinned, where we have said or done something, our shortcomings, Lord. It is only through you that all things are possible. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that we've made it thus far. Lord, whatever is on our hearts, whatever it is that we are thankful for, perhaps some of us here are grieving. Perhaps some of us are struggling, Lord. Perhaps some of us, our future is uncertain. We know, though, that, Lord, you are a faithful God and will care for us. It may not be something great, but we know that you will sustain us. So lead and guide us, and may we grow together as one family, and may we be the ambassadors that you have called us to be. Thank you, Lord, that you gave up the comforts of heaven to come here. And yet you lived among us. You loved. You were empathetic. You were compassionate. And you stood up for what was right and defended those who could not be defended. Thank you, Lord, for fighting our battles. Help us to trust in you in all that we do. And Lord, may we just experience your grace even more in the next couple of days. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace.